This episode deals with ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder. I know that many of you have either a child or a stepchild on the spectrum. I hope you'll find this conversation valuable. Hi there, I'm Tracy, and this is the Essential Stepmom Podcast, your source of unconventional advice and inspiration for the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Is it really an art? You bet. Nobody pops out of the womb with an instinct for step parenting. It's something you practice and get better at, like anything else. And if you found this podcast, it means you're smart enough to look for someone who's been practicing the moves for a long time to stand in your corner and coach you through it. I'll share my wins, my missteps, and my analysis of what worked for my family over the last 14 years and why it could work for you too. If you like this stuff, don't forget to subscribe. And you can get more of me at EssentialStepMom.com. Today we're starting season 10 of the Essential Stepmom podcast. I can hardly believe that. And it seems fitting because if up till now we've covered unconventional advice for your unconventional family, we're going to ramp it up another notch. I thought that being a stepmom was pretty much the hardest thing I'd ever done. All in all, I think it's required me to up-level myself in so many areas of life that I've stopped counting. And then I meet today's guest, Dr. Sonia Canmaland. Sonia is a social worker and family therapist in Australia who was raising a son on the autism spectrum as a single mother when she met and married a great guy who turned out to also have a son on the spectrum. So while she was dealing with all that, she thought she'd just undertake a PhD on step family dynamics. I mean, why not, right? Why didn't I think of that? What was I doing with my time for the last 15 years? <laughs> this incredible woman has published several research papers in academic journals, and one of them is especially close to her heart in that it deals with the topic of children in a step family who are on the autism spectrum and what that does to the couple relationship and the whole family dynamic. I know this is a huge issue for many of you, and there's probably nobody in the whole world more qualified to talk about it. So I'll just jump right into our conversation. Here she is. Dr. Sonia Canmaland, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Introduce yourself a little. Tell us about yourself. Okay, well, um, I am a stepmom. I've been a stepmom for 15 years. So, me too. Um, I have, oh, is that right? Mm. Oh, well, there we go. And I have um, grown adult stepchildren now, and um, I am a biological mum of 28 years. Um, uh, one of my sons are married, and um, they're expecting a bubba, and I've got my stepson who's expecting a bubba, and I also have a grandchild as well from my stepdaughter, and um, so I get to be a grandma as well. Lovely. Which is really, really lovely, yeah. From a professional level, I'm a counsellor and a social worker of 30 years plus um, in a whole lot of varied fields, but we probably don't have time to talk about that. So 
put us over there. I've, I'm an educational researcher. I have my PhD, so I'm a, um, in education, um, and I've been doing that for seven years now. I have my own private practice in counselling step families, and um, so that includes step couples or individuals that just need to work out some things they're struggling with in their family or also connecting with the children as well. Um, I work in ed education for recoupled parents navigating step family life. And my goal is to work and educate teachers and other professionals who work with children, parents and step parents whose family lifespan across two homes. So that, that's my, my ultimate goal. That is such an important topic because, oh, my gosh, like, I think every teacher, every teacher, there can't be a teacher anywhere who doesn't have students in their class who are living in some kind of blended family situation, yeah. whose parents are separated or divorced, who um, either see or don't see one or the other of their parents or who are really living across two homes. Like teachers need skills for coping with this kind of situation, especially, especially the high conflict ones where the parents yeah. don't see eye to eye, uh, they're not on board in the same way with the educational program. Yeah. It's huge. So yeah. I think it's amazing that you're doing this. It's wonderful work. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's interesting um, when I do interviews with with teachers, they do focus on that, you know, they, they're inclined to lean on you know, if the family is in high conflict or if, if it's not a problematic step family, then it's not a big issue. But when we get down to discussing um, just the structure of the step family form and children that, that live across two homes during the week and, and you know, organising homework and routines and... Um, you know, all, all of those, um, like a, a child that gets to stay up until 10 o'clock at night in one home and in the other home gets all their homework done and is in bed by 8.30. Yeah. So you get this kind of Jekyll and Hyde syndrome because the child's exhausted one day and at school and, yeah. you know, refreshed the other. And so teachers being able to pick up and work on those kind of issues you know, even even in reasonably healthy healthy step families, yeah. there's still differences where they need to you know they need to meet these differences for the kids. Yeah, I think it's the it, in my experience anyway, it would be the rare exception where parents are committed to having a similar routine in both homes. Yep, and the research is also showing that with parents that aren't both involved at some level, children um, with their education, it does impact um, how well the kids go. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me about your interest in the autism spectrum, raising kids with autism yeah. spectrum issues. Where does that originate? So I'm going to share my personal reasons first. So I, I have a biological child on the spectrum and I also have a stepchild on the spectrum. Like I said, they're both adults now. Um, one's 29 and um, one's 26. 
So, you know, they're grown. Um, but as a single parent, there are many challenges supporting my biological child. Adjusting, I had to adjust to um, childcare, um, access, access visits were really difficult just um, because uh, my, my son found, you know, the changes that, that he had to overcome were really difficult. You know, he would become very anxious. Um, you mean the changes between your home and his dad's home? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just, um, you know, every second weekend, going from one home to the other, children on the spectrum, you know, they need routine, they need consistency. And so um, sometimes there might be times when we, we will have to make um, a change that, um, like, you know, swap weekends or, oh, yeah. or swap a dinner um, in the middle of the week. And that, that would just throw my son when, when he was little and, um, and it can cause a huge amount of stress. We actually undermine how, how much stress it can cause. Yeah, I, those things are really stressful for kids who don't, are not dealing with any developmental problems. Like I know that it would, it would be, um, uh, it must be completely crazy making for people oh, who have children yeah. who are really so reliant on the most precise kind of routines in life to have to deal with this business of going from one house to another and the inevitable, even the changes in that crazy routine. It's so hard. To, uh, to let go of your child as someone else who you're not confident they understand mm -hmm. um, um, your child's needs on the, on the spectrum well. That's you know it's so it's so hard to let them let them go. So I really I really struggled struggled with that because I felt like he needed to be with me. Yeah, so, yeah, and that sure. I, I knew best because I, I you know if he had a meltdown became overwhelmed in any way but when he was stimming. So you know he used to rock quite violently where he where he literally bounce off the back of the chair when he was rocking, you know, just, just as a calming for him. And um, he, people would pick him up on it. Stop that. Stop, stop doing the rocking. You know, it's annoying. And um, so I would want to protect him from, you know, and these are adults, these are, you know, people that, that I would love to think know better, but they, they just are ignorant to understanding yeah. uh, autism, that's all. They're not yeah. bad people. But, uh, yeah. but you do find that, that you know, childcare is a scary place to put your child, um, you know, if you feel that they don't understand how yeah. autism impacts your child. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and the, other, the other one that I'm, I wanted to mention was um, finances was yeah. a problem. DIS wasn't around then and, um, and you have to have a diagnosis anyway to get in. I don't know what that what I don't know what that is. That's got to be an Australian thing, DIS. Oh, okay. So it's basically where the government offer funding for um, for children and adults who have diagnosed special needs. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
And I wish I could tell you what NDIS stands for, but mm. I can't right okay. now. <laughs> that's okay. But that's basically what it does. You but apply- I guess that, that would be one of the reasons to have a diagnosis where there are special programs available only to people with a diagnosis or special funding. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So as a stepmother, I was restricted in, in the support I could offer as we, um, we don't have legal parenting rights in Australia. So that's kind of an extra, an extra struggle that um, I wanted to help my stepson as much as I want I support my biological son. But um, can I, you I, tell I, me how you how, just briefly tell me how how did it happen that you learned that your stepson was on the autism spectrum? Was it like completely obvious or you knew it from your own son or he was diagnosed before you met uh, him? How did that go? So I know I noticed some of the signs from my own reading and research and you know, again, it's a it's a gut thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that um, this, there were some similarities between my biological son and stepson, but there were so many differences. Mm. So um, you know, the old saying goes: if you've met someone on the autism spectrum, that's all you've done. You've met one person on the autism spectrum everyone's different so so yeah I just saw um saw behaviors that that to me fitted um fitted around the autism spectrum and so you know it was about talking to the parents and and trying to get them proactive and there's some pushback let's say from from dad or more pushback from mom how did that go in your case in terms of getting them on board yeah. So in my first time marriage, just to backtrack, there was massive pushback. And the bonus, after all those negatives I mentioned about being a single mum, the bonus as soon as my husband left me, which was heart-wrenching and heartbreaking, but the bonus of him leaving was that I could actually go and get my son some help. Yeah. And um, and that's exactly what I did. In this situation, it wasn't so much that there was massive pushback, but it was just, um, is apathy the right word? Yeah, maybe. It was just, you know, I was saying, oh, I think, I don't think something's right, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I met, mentioned the autism spectrum. Probably better just leave that out and say, I don't think there's something quite right. Maybe it's worth chatting with the teachers to see how he's travelling. He wasn't coping well at school. Organisational skills were terrible. Uh, social skills struggled. Lots of bullying. There was lots of reasons, um, even if he wasn't on the autism spectrum, for parents to step in and and help this beautiful boy. And as the um, stepmom, you you're like nobody in that story, right? Yeah. Well, and that that that's the hard bit. I had a really, I have a really supportive husband. Um, who's the biological dad, and and he does respect my opinions and he was open to them. But the biological mum and biological dad had a, a pretty toxic relationship back then. 
And so that's where the struggle was because in in terms of, you know, um, going and get testing done, going to the schools and speaking to the teachers and looking at other supports and making decisions for their son, they didn't even like talking to each other. Mm. So so that that made it really difficult. Luckily, he was living with us, um, so we were his primary carers. Okay. Which meant that um, Paul, my husband, could make... Um, um, a decision um, for me to kind of go to the school and and have a conversation with the teachers and and I just slowly got to got to know them and they uh, recommended that maybe all the teachers get together and we have a roundtable uh, meeting um, and and it was actually then where we had a breakthrough. My husband and I, we went to the meeting with all the teachers and it just so happened that there was three or four teachers who had children on the spectrum in their own family. Wow. What are the odds of that? So they raised it with us. Oh, wow. And it was just, it just felt like a miracle to me. I was so relieved. And um, and then they, they helped us um, finance his um he's getting assessed so getting assessed and getting a diagnosis or yeah I guess that's what they call it eh it's a yes yeah Yeah, that's right so that I'm sure that's that's probably a I don't know a big issue in a lot of families because there's you know from the from obviously the positives would would be getting services and the help that you need but I think there's a there's a lot of negative um, energy maybe around the label that people don't want to have it or they think it's not, it's not helpful or it stigmatizes the child in some way. Do you think that's true? Yes, it can. And I do, I do want to address that. I think that's really important to address. There, there's so many issues to deal with when you have a child on the spectrum. And, and then from a, a personal level, if... Um, if you put step family complexities on top of that, which can cause huge mental health issues yeah. for couples. So um, some of the issues, couples may be still recovering from their divorce, there's role confusion that can happen in step families, unresolved conflict resolution and loneliness um, that comes from feeling like an outsider in your family or a trapped insider in your family. And these are just a few examples of what impacts poor mental health in step families. So managing all of this and supporting a child on the spectrum is not easy. So my research shows the importance of self-care and couple care. It may be hard to go out and do date nights because you may not feel comfortable leaving your child on the spectrum at home, but be creative in Mm. how to rest and have couple time and individual time. So just want to share that. That's great. That's so important. So let's get back to just um, talking about what, like, what do you think in terms of having a diagnosis? How important is that for moving forward or how, how important was it for you? It's not always important. 
That's the first thing I want to say. It's not always important. Um, it's important to address the behaviours that are causing the emotional, social and cognitive challenges for your child. Um, a diagnosis can help to get financial and specialised support that can only come with a diagnosis. A diagnosis did not necessarily provide what we needed in supporting our children on the spectrum. Understanding them and giving them love and security and guidance when needed made the biggest difference for them and still does as our adult children. Mm, yeah. Nice. So tell me about, you You did research on step couples who are raising children on the spectrum. What a, yeah. like, what a fascinating topic. So tell me about that. What, what did you learn? I have four points that I'd like to share. Go ahead. The first one is couple care is most important. But to address this, it's helpful to understand, oh, I think I've really mentioned um, uh, the issues in raising children, um, ASD children in step families, but I'll just go over a couple of things. Research suggests that it's far more difficult raising a child on the autism spectrum than children with any other disability or no disability in families. Research shows high levels of stress in both parents and children um, with ASD. The second one is step parents, no matter their knowledge on autism, I encourage you not to come in as an expert. You may know a lot about the autism spectrum, but you know little about the child that you're living with that's on the autism spectrum. Mm. So, what am I, so there's a few steps that's worth taking in doing this. Firstly, build a relationship with the child, which is hard and may change daily depending on the child's um, behaviour and, and different struggles that, you know, they're trying to deal with day, on a daily basis. It's not personal to you. It's them dealing with managing their environment around them that can be overwhelming and stressful. But that's so hard to not take it personally when you have a child in front of you who's melting down or who's refusing to eat or like so many autistic children are so very particular about what they eat. They're particular about the clothes that they wear or the tags on the back or the the, um, you know, rituals and routines that they have. Yeah. It's very hard to, to not internalize that as, you know, you as the stepmom doing a bad job, right? It's super hard. And, and that's why it's really, really um, important to get to know what are the issues and what are the behaviors that, that are coming from the fact that, that your child is on the autism spectrum because that helps us separate that, um, oh, this child hates me or, yeah. <laughs> you know, he yeah. won't eat my food because he doesn't like my cooking. And that's not the case. He's not eating your food because they may only eat white food. Yeah. Okay, um, so uh, I, I, I know someone that for a long time, um, he, he grew up, he would only eat white. white. 
So, so people that, are probably listening and saying, "Oh my God, I never knew that was a thing. I thought it was just that that child. It's a thing. Only white food." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's a thing. So, so you can you can imagine this poor parent. You know, she's got to cook different meals, and and there is this, there are these extra extra pressures, but this child couldn't help it right couldn't help it and um and so it's really important to work hard on not taking it personally oh and sorry it, i interrupted you and you were in the middle of four things that you wanted to talk oh yeah yeah so just with the first one the other thing is um gaining trust of your biological parent so an asd parent is a protective biological parent on steroids. <laughs> they have to spend their whole life just defending them, convincing other people that it's not naughty behaviour. And so they're, you know, so then when a step-parent comes into their life, in some ways you've got to prove that you've got their back and that you're on their side, yeah? Be a student, be open to learning all you can about your stepchild's diagnosis. Um, let the biological parent tell a story. When did it happen? What were and are the behavioural issues that this child has? Um, another one is understand their developmental journey from diagnosis till this present day. Allow the biological parent to show you where you need to give grace in regards to their behaviours. That's really, really important. And get your biological, but get your partner to support you in that. And the other one is learn to recognise a success in the child's growth and celebrate if it seems small to you. So just a quick example. My stepson found it really hard to go to bed without locking up the house, turning off all the lights, even if we were still up watching oh, oh my goodness yeah and <laughs> i found this so hard because you know as as a parent like that's my job yeah right that's what i do yeah and um but but that's been his obsession routine that he's done every night it could have been a an anxiety response because a new adults moved into his life yeah. and he doesn't know what my role is and whether I'm going to protect him. Yeah. And so, so it could have been a response to that. Um, it took time, but eventually he trusted me to do the job and break his ritual. We recognise that this was a really big deal for him and so we let him know how proud, how mm. proud we were of him. So we celebrated it. So we'll move on to the third one now and that's, Give the step-parent a break. Empathy is important. Don't define step-parent frustration as you don't love my child. Really important. The reason for this is children on the spectrum at different levels can struggle with relational interaction. They can struggle with communication, restricted repetitive interests and behaviours. They can struggle with obsessions meltdowns and sensory um, sensitivities. And that's just naming a few. 
And the fourth one is treating children equally does not mean treating them the same. Mm, I like that. You like that one? So this is complex to get your head around as parents in first in first-time families, let alone in-step families. Uh, discipline a neurotypical child will look different to discipline a child on, on the spectrum. And in, in a step family, you also have to take into account that the biological parent does the bulk of the discipline as well. For me personally, um, when children, my children, I've got neurotypical and, and one on the spectrum, um, my expectation is what I serve they eat. You know, they eat most of what's on their plate. If they're not crazy about something, then I just ask them to just have a have a little little taste. That's all, mm-hmm. you know, just so they can have that experience. Okay. With um, my child on the spectrum, I, I needed to handle eating differently. So, um, and also with my stepchild, I had to, I had to handle it differently as well. So the, the first thing is that um, I, I will try and encourage them to have a taste, um, but in a second that can lead to a meltdown. Right. Okay. And as soon as, uh, as soon as a child begins a meltdown, you can no longer communicate with yeah. them. You know, they, they, the, the, it's, it's not a tantrum. I, I'm, you know, it's really important to distinguish the difference between the tantrum and the meltdown. Their brain literally shuts down and they can't think clearly. They can't hear what you're saying anymore. Um, they're, you know, physically they're mm-hmm. flapping around, shutting their eyes and, and um, they're just... It, it looks traumatic. I then focus on that and we work on allowing our son to calm down. So then I, I look at safety. So if he's at the table and it's knives and forks and lots of things um, floating around, things that can be smashed and broken, then that can cause harm to the child and other people around. So the first thing I do is make sure that my son and the rest mm. of the family are safe and so I might gently remove them to a safer place. If they're refusing to move or they're just too difficult yeah. to move, then I might ask the rest of the members of, of the household, just give us five minutes, give us 10 minutes and, uh, you know, take your plate and cutlery and knife and fork with you just for a bit and go and eat over there and give us some time. Let me ask you a question. Sonia, tell me what you suggest in terms of, um, you know, the, the obviously different ways that a child on the spectrum will tend to be raised or at least disciplined compared to a neurotypical child. How do you suggest that step families navigate this kind of problem where, where issues of fairness come up between, let's say, between step siblings who can see that another child doesn't get reprimanded for doing things that, you know, like I might get in trouble and this other kid doesn't get in trouble for doing the same thing? Yeah, really important question. First thing we need to do preventative stuff and that is sitting down with your biological children who are neurotypical 
and educate, talk to them about um, the child who is on the spectrum. Yeah, encourage them to understand and be empathetic to their to their situation. So um, knowledge is power. So that's that can be really helpful for children. But as a step parent, there were some times when I did have to let things go, and because you know it is strongly encouraged as you as you know, we teach that the biological parent does does the bulk of the parenting. So the other, the other thing I would highly recommend is, and, and I mentioned this earlier, is that, you know, spend plenty of time with your partner or spouse discussing how you're going to navigate this and how, how can both that step parents and biological parents work together as a team to um, to support all the children in this because it is going to affect them. And um, so I think first work as a team and and you know brainstorm together the best the best way to navigate some of this. Yeah, that's great advice. Thank you so much for doing this, Sonia. I really appreciate you being here. And I, I just know that there are many, many families, uh, step families who are dealing with kids on the spectrum and there's not a lot of resource for that specific, very specific niche. So I think it's a wonderful thing that you're doing this. Tell people how they can find you. Yeah, so you can get in touch with me via my website, um, www.renewedbeliefs.com. Renewedbeliefs.com. Yeah, sorry, I said that too fast. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. And, um, and I also have a Facebook page, which I've just started, that you can follow at Renewed Beliefs. Yeah. Great. So, I'll put those in the show notes definitely. for everybody as well. And if you want to get in touch with me, please do that. And um um there you can just email me and I'll get back to you as soon as I can great and what thank you so much for having me oh you're welcome I I forgot to ask what part of Australia are you in oh so Victoria Melbourne okay great so Melbourne Canberra Sydney times if uh if there's people over there that are trying to work out the time okay great yeah, I, we, I have quite a lot of listeners, about a quarter of the listeners for this podcast are in Australia, actually. So oh, wow. I'll be interested to, to look you up. Thanks once again for being here. It was a pleasure. Uh, thanks again. I really enjoyed chatting with you. The whole point of identifying autism as a spectrum disorder means that there can be children and even adults with widely differing kinds of problems. It's impossible to compare the journey of a stepmom dealing with, let's say, the inflexible or argumentative personality of a more high-functioning child, maybe with Asperger's syndrome, and the challenges of raising, let's say, a totally nonverbal child who might be extremely withdrawn or unpredictably violent. And of course, I know that there are all kinds of special needs outside of the autism spectrum. I know there are a number of women in my group alone who have taken up this kind of challenge um, out of love and dedication to their partner. And I can't say how proud I am to know them. 
it's not a small thing to stand by a man who comes with this particular kind of baggage. So kudos to each and every one of you out there. The world is a better place because of people like yourselves. I really mean that. Before I sign off, just a quick word to those of you who might be feeling like your stepfamily problems are insignificant by comparison. They are not insignificant. A challenge is a challenge. And you deserve as much help as you need to upgrade your stepfamily life to the happy, prosperous, fulfilling one that you dream about. You don't have to do anything to deserve that. It's your birthright. There is no problem that can't be solved. And sometimes it turns out to be a lot easier than what you've been telling yourself. I promised that I'd have some coaching spots uh, available again in mid-July, and that's actually coming up pretty soon now. If you're interested in learning more or you'd just like to save a spot on the coaching waitlist, send me a quick email at info at essentialstepmom.com. Whether it's learning how to like your stepkids or learning how to be okay with not liking them or maybe having a better way of communicating your needs to your partner or figuring out what to do with all that resentment before it wrecks your relationship, you'll get a lot of solid support in coaching with someone who actually understands the special step family dynamic and won't give you advice that only works for women in a traditional first family setting. Once again, my private email address is info at essentialstepmom.com and I'll look forward to talking to you anytime. See you next week.